Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. Is it okay to be gay? So let me tell you, the I get the opportunity to speak in so many different churches. I, I love the fact that Love Him, Love Them is non-denominational, right? So uh, one week I'm in a Methodist church. The next week I'm in a Presbyterian church. The next week I'm in a different church. And in the last couple of churches I've been in, one was Methodist and one was Presbyterian, the pastors pulled me aside and told me that their churches are in the middle of splitting, right? So there's... I mean, and I know there's probably a way more technical term for this than what I'm about to say, but it's like it's either a gay side or a not gay side. Okay, so if uh, one side of the Methodist ministry now, you can be a homosexual and you can be the pastor, and then another side you can't. And then I just found out, I think it was like three or four weeks ago, I was in a Presbyterian church, and they also have... I don't remember what it was called, USA and American, different types of Presbyterian uh, things. So, you know, it kind of begs the question, how does that work? Um, is it, I mean, how how can the church be so divided if we use the same Bible? That's kind of my question, right? So like, is there a gay Bible and a not gay Bible? And that's why, do the, are they going to still both use the same Bible? Or how, how is that going to work? How can we have two groups of Christians who are on such opposite sides? I mean, like, not just opposite sides, but like extremely opposite sides, right? And I mean, and these are huge denominations, right? It's not like this is a Fifth Baptist Church of the whatever, whatever. Presbyterian denominations and and, um, Methodist denominations are like rather large denominations, right? So you've got these two groups. One group of Christians say that now, not now. This is not just in those two denominations. This is like all around with as far as Christians are concerned. And one group of Christians say that homosexuals are going straight to hell. Right there, you go. So if you're gay, you're going to hell. And there is no love. There is no compassion. There's not even any desire to show the love of Jesus at all. Right? Uh, it would literally be a miracle if anybody who interacts with that group of Christians. Uh, that is a homosexual would ever come to faith in Jesus Christ because they are so negative and they're so judgmental that they do more harm to the Christian faith than anyone else. You know, I used to always say I had a day spa and I talk about this all the time about how we wear uh, the T-shirts and the T-shirt said uh, Linda's (laughs) so vain, Linda's day spa. But I used to tell all the girls that work there, look, if you're going to go out after work, or if you're going to do something that is going to bring shame to our, our business, just please take the shirt off. I don't want you wearing the shirt and doing that. And that's this type of Christian, right? Where it's almost like, I'm sure God is like, you know what? You're not showing any love. You're not showing any compassion. There's no chance that any of these people are ever going to want to have anything to do with me because of the way we're treating them. So Christians, then there's a whole nother group. There's a whole nother group of Christians who are just going along with whatever society says. Right. So whatever the culture says uh, and just end up with because homosexuality is so prevalent in our culture that we just need to go with homosexuality just can be an alternative lifestyle. Right. And so this group of Christians feels like everybody should have the right to be whoever they are. Right. Well, in my personal opinion, this group of Christians is just as bad as the other, if not worse. 
because they're too afraid to take a stand on what the Bible says. I want to tell you why I'm even talking about this. I was tell- I talking to my husband this weekend. We were at the Georgia-Florida game, and I said, you know, I'm going to record Monday, and I think I'm going to talk about transgender, and I'm going to talk about gay people, and I'm going to talk about homosexuals. And he was like, what in the world? But the reason for that was on our way going off this weekend, I saw on social media someone who is very near and dear to my heart. And it is a young man, and I saw him in engagement photos with an older man. And I looked through, and I saw that they were actually announcing their upcoming wedding. And this is someone that I know has has a relationship, had a relationship with the Lord. Um, I haven't been in real close contact with them in several years. But this really instigated my desire to have this conversation with you guys, right? And the fact of the matter is what I just said is really true. There are people who hate people who are gay that say they're people that say they're Christians who hate people that are gay. And then there are people who say they are Christians that are like, it just doesn't matter. Nothing, nothing matters. So based on that, I just want to take a look. What does the Bible say about this topic? And, you know, it's very interesting because I spoke with this young man's mother uh, about these social media posts and uh, wanted to reach out to the, to the young man. And that was one of the things that she said that she actually asked, asked him, you know, do you, do you know, it doesn't really matter what I think, doesn't really matter what mommy Linda thinks, but do you know what the Bible says about this? And that individual responded back and said that they did not know that. And I find that hard to believe, but that's okay. Um, So the first scripture we're going to look at is one that many actually homosexuals point to, and they love to point to this. And that is that whenever they talk about Christians and what they can and cannot do. And so that goes to Matthew 7, 1 through 7. So the verse starts off with, don't judge, don't condemn others, and then God won't condemn you, right? So this is where homosexuals say, see, you don't have the right to judge me. You can't say anything to me. And then continuing on, the Bible says, in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by that standard or measure you use, it will be used on you. God will be as hard on you as you are on others. And he will treat you as you treat them. Dang, we we go straight away from gay people and go to a whole whole nother level on that, right? So homosexuals use this to say, as hard as you judge them, that's the same measure Jesus is going to use to judge you, right? And then verse three, when you notice the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye. So how can you say to your homosexual brother, hey, let me tell you how wrong this is. Let me fix you, you hypocrite. Because the Bible says, first, we've got to take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to get the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I need you to pay really close attention here to what Jesus is saying, because he is not saying that we cannot judge anybody anytime for anything. That's not what he's saying. He is simply saying that when you do judge, that's, this is the way that you do it. 
And first, you got to take a look at yourself. You got to get that log out of your own eye. Why? Because if you don't, you cannot see clearly enough to get the speck out of their eye. So for the homosexual that says Christians don't have the right to judge them, we actually do. We do have the right to pass judgment. Not necessarily on you, but the things that you are doing. And now I want to go to a different scripture, a scripture that actually heterosexuals used to justify their right to be able to judge homosexuals. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Lord, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived because neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. Whoop, there it is. Look, it says it right there. And that's where most heterosexuals stuff on and throw the book at homosexuals. Right there it says it. The Bible says that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. But wait a minute. What about all those other sins? Right? Those are sins that heterosexuals cannot commit either. Right? And did you see the very first one on the list is fornication? Adultery, idolaters, thieves, covetousness, drunkards, liars. Teresa and I were just at dinner talking about, you know, some people that we haven't seen at church lately. And we realized that one of the reasons was because they have chosen a whole different lifestyle that includes drinking a lot. I was just at the Georgia-Florida game this past weekend. You know, they call that the cocktail party of, I don't know what they call it, the cocktail party of something. Um, lots and lots of people have chosen that lifestyle instead of a life of purity. Thieves, covetousness, drunkards. But I guarantee you that you could pull them aside and they would say that a homosexual, in their specific opinion, would be worse. Isn't it amazing how we judge, the, how we, we rate the sins? Liars, <laughs> people who covet people who steal, they're all in that same category, right? So how can we as heterosexual Christians say that this one sin of homosexuality is so much greater than all the other sins? And that therefore, because of that, God will not allow them to go to heaven. Okay, so now we have both of those verses spoken, right? Let's talk. We've got the verse that the heterosexuals use. We've got the verse that the homosexuals use. I want to talk directly to homosexuals. I'm hoping that this line is full and that there are, my, that's my prayer, is that as many homosexuals that as possible will be listening to this in some venue. Because especially homosexuals who claim to be Christians, who carry the name of Christianity, because one thing I don't quite get is that many homosexuals hide behind their statement of, you know, Linda, this is just how I am, right? This is just the way I was born. This is who I am. Because what does the Bible say about how we were born? Psalm 51 tells us we were born into sin. <laughs> so when homosexuals continue to say 
that this is my nature. This is how I was born. We're actually nullifying the power of the cross. Because if we were born into sin once, but once we are born again, we're given a whole new nature, right? That's, that's the whole thing. The old is past the new. It's, we're given a brand new nature. And the new nature enables us to live above the sinful life, right? It gives us the ability to have victory over sin. Second, as a homosexual Christian, I, I, I just don't get the, I don't get how you think that you have the right or you have a free pass to just indulge in all of your sexual desires any more than a heterosexual does. So if, if you continue to say, well, you know, I mean, this is just who I am. I have the right to express who I am. I mean, how, how would that play out with a heterosexual? <laughs> how, how would that play out uh, with my husband if uh, he decided that he had certain desires to have continuous adulterous affairs? H- how would that play out for him to just be able to say, you know, it's just this is who I am and this is my nature, <laughs> right? How would that play out with a heterosexual person who feels as though, you know, I have a desire to watch pornography or other heterosexual things that they're dealing with, adultery, fornication. I mean, it doesn't really matter what state you find yourself in. If you're single and you have a desire for sex outside of marriage, or if you're married and you have a desire for sex outside of marriage with someone else, I mean, it's almost as if homosexuals come across that they have a free pass. The same exceptions apply, which is self-control, right? You do not, as a homosexual Christian, get some kind of a free pass. But for some reason, that's the way it's, it's presented in our society and in our culture. This sin is not okay. This sin is okay. And because this is my nature and this is the way I am, well, what if that's the way someone else is? And it is that way. A lot of us have desires. You know, the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. We Nobody has the right to indulge in everything that they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. You know, that's the way I described myself before I literally surrendered my entire life to the Lord after that first trip to Haiti, when I saw those kids singing who had nothing and they shared with me the joy of the Lord and how you can have the joy regardless of what your circumstances are. You know, a lot of people feel that way. I, I, not that I was born this way or this is my nature, but do you know what I'm going through? And because of what I'm going through, I have the right to indulge, whether it's pornography, whether it's food, whether any idol, I have the right to get drunk. I have the right. You don't know what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through. But we don't have that right. We can't do what we want to do when we want to do it, how we want to do it. And especially to say that just as one group of people in one particular sin of homosexuality that we can say we have the right to do that while the rest of the heterosexuals are struggling 
They're struggling to live a life of self-control. They're struggling to live a life of self-discipline. They're struggling to live a life of self-denial because only with the power of the Holy Spirit are they able to do that, right? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And where do we get the self-control? It comes as a fruit of the Spirit, right? So we get love, we get joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So if you are a homosexual and you're acknowledging that lifestyle is a sin, you don't promote it, you don't celebrate it, you don't, you're, you're leaning daily on the power that lives inside of you, which is self-control, which is necessary to resist the same, the same sex attraction that, then I have the utmost respect for you, right? Because you have a bent towards something the same way I have a bent towards food. Other people have a bent towards pornography for you. And I believe if that, if that is what you're dealing with, I believe you are saved just as any heterosexual is. But I'm going to tell you, if you are a homosexual and you are hiding behind it and you are hiding behind that and you are supporting it, you're going to gay rallies you're celebrating it and you continue to say, you know, this is just who I am. I, I, I cannot imagine a adulterer's rally. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Where all the men or women who are having adulterous affairs would get together and celebrate the fact that they are able to have sex outside of marriage. Um, knowing that that was a sin. I mean, going back to that same verse or fornicators. People who were so proud of the fact that they were having sex with uh, the the opposite sex, but still outside of marriage and having rallies about it and celebrating it and holding up signs and saying, look at me. This is the way I am. This is the this is what I'm choosing to do. It just doesn't even add up. And so if if that's who you are, if you're the one that celebrates this and you just say, this is the way I was born, this is my nature, this is what I celebrate, I cannot, I cannot respect that lifestyle. Not, not any more than I would respect the lifestyle of a heterosexual who beats up on women. I mean, you don't see men who are uh, domestic violators. I don't know how you would say that word. Usually you hear about recipients of domestic violence, but again, they're not, they're not celebrating that. Adulterers should not be celebrating that. They might be bragging at the bar about it one night, but so the, the real bottom line is, can a homosexual be a Christian? Can a homosexual be a Christian? And the question is, what, what do both homosexuals and heterosexuals, what do you have to do to believe? What do you have to do to become a Christian? We both have to believe the same thing, right? So Genesis 1.27 says, male and female, he created them. Genesis teaches that God created humanity male and female in his image and likeness. We are divinely separated into male and female. So my, my point is this. We, for us to become a Christian, whether we're a heterosexual or a homosexual, we have to believe that Jesus died on the cross. We have to surrender our lives to him. We have to, um, we have to change, right? 
No Jesus, no change, no change, no Jesus. We have to be willing to leave the past behind. So if we are continuing with whatever the sin nature was that we had before we're saying that we've surrendered our lives to the Lord, there's not a change. And if we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and to give us the power that we need to be able to lean on Jesus for every single decision we make in our lives, we really need to question whether or not we've made that decision. Because here's the thing. I love my husband. I do not intentionally ever want to do anything to hurt him in any way, shape, or form. Now, that doesn't mean I don't hurt him because a lot of times things that I say, things that I do, they're perceived incorrectly. Sometimes I'm just extremely offensive. But if I have that same and even a greater love for my Heavenly Father, the last thing I want to do if I am worshiping him as the most high, and if he really, really is the most important thing to me, then when we go back and look at Matthew 7, where it tells us that these certain people are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven, there's six things God hates, seven things that God hates, liars, adulterers, uh, fornicators, thieves, covetousness, homosexuality. Remember, Do you guys remember what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, the stuff we're talking about here, it's not new. We all think, oh, my goodness, this transgender and this homosexual lifestyles and the bathrooms at the school and all of this thing. thats It's not new. Literally, God destroyed the entire area of Sodom and Gomorrah for that exact reason. You know, Satan is not creative. He just he continues to use the same things over and over and over again. So I want to talk to you from the bottom of my heart right now, whether you are a heterosexual that is caught up in pornography. And I I heard some statistics the other day that just made me insane, that 87% of men who profess to be Christians, heterosexual Christians, are engaged in pornography a minimum of two to three times a week. If that's you, or if you're a homosexual, that is professing to be a Christian, but is continuing to hide behind the fact that the cross is not enough for you, that Jesus dying on the cross is not enough for you to be able to change your life. I want you to listen to me. Our life on this earth is very, very short. James calls it a mist. That's like when you spray your deodorant on in the morning. That's it compared to now and eternity. God has promised us that we can be living a victorious life here. Matter of fact, he said it can be abundant and it can be full. I want you to listen to me very closely right now because you don't realize this, but you have an enemy and that enemy is stealing from you and he is destroying you and he is destroying the valuable relationships that you have in your life by allowing you to think that you cannot change. The whole reason that Jesus Christ died on the cross was for us to be able to change, was for us to be able to live a life that we, matter of fact, Jesus says, we have the ability on this earth to do greater things than he did when he walked on this earth. Don't leave behind and, and live a dull and boring 
and ridiculously mundane life because you think you're satisfying everything that you want when God has so much more for you, so much more for you. If you're on here and you're listening and you're a parent, you should get this even better than anybody else. We have so much more for our kids and all we ask is that they obey, right? When we are quick to obey, even when we don't fully understand, you think that the life you are living right now is so amazing. But if you would really get down and dirty with it and really honest with me, you would realize that probably the most miserable person in the world is someone who professes to be a Christian but continues to live in monotonous sin. All we have to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you the opportunity to pray with me, to be able to ask God, you know what? I just need to, Luke 9.23, I need to deny myself. That's not real popular in today's culture. I need to deny myself. If you're a Christian, you're not doing what you want to do when you want to do how you want to do it. And if you are doing what you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it, you need to rethink. Because Luke 9.23 says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Boys, girls, men, women, it is as simple as putting your hands up and surrendering the selfish motives that you currently have. And I'm talking about whether that's food and eating when you're not hungry, whether that is pornography and looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, whether that is cheating on your wife or your spouse through social media or messaging, or whether that is continuing to live in a homosexual lifestyle. It doesn't really matter. It's all the same. For, for God, sin is sin is sin. While we're living on this earth, the consequences of our sins are very different. But he looks at it all the same. So I want you to know it is a simple process to be able to ask God to take over your life, to surrender whatever the bent is. Where you know, For me, I'm, I am not attracted to women, so that is not a bent for me. For, for, but, but I just left a restaurant and had an extra scoop of chicken salad, right? So we all, ha- we all know what we're bent toward. And we all know when we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us through, to use that self-control. That fruit of the Spirit is a gift. And so when we surrender and we ask God to come in and take over and be the master of our life, the gift that he gives us is that love and that joy and that peace and that self-control. And so if you are living an adulterous lifestyle, a lifestyle of pornography, a lifestyle of homosexuality, I want you to know God has a purpose for your life. He has a blessing that you cannot imagine. He, he planned out your life before he put the stars in the sky and the sand on the, on the beaches. Allow me to pray with you now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you now on behalf of my brothers and sisters who profess to be Christians and also for those who want what you've got, Lord. I pray that today, I know that Satan is allowing people to listen and saying, you just don't need to make a decision now. But right now, today is the day of salvation. And God, my prayer is that everyone who can hear my voice will want you, will want what's best, will want the best, because God, you're the most high. And the most high, you are the one that can change lives, that we can forget what's in the past and move forward. Father, I pray that Satan does not continue to buffer ears and to make people not be able to hear or blind, but Lord, that you open up blind eyes and you open up ears. And God, that through this short talk, 
that we're able to see lives changed forever. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to ask you to reach out to us at lovehimlovethem.org. We want to walk you through this process of going from the old nature to the new nature. Because here's the truth. God does provide a way out every single time we're tempted. His promises are true. He's real. He's still on the throne. And His Word is powerful. Don't forget to love Him and love them.